0: You know, sometimes you just have to put yourself into a position that you can't get out of
1: Welcome to the work podcast episode 12. This is a podcast for people who make stuff for a living My name is Chris Creed, and on this show, we talk about the things that are relevant to creative entrepreneurs, which means we get to sit down and have chats with creatives, business owners, freelancers, people who are out there creating value and making a living while they're at it. And I'll also chat with you about my journey as someone who makes stuff for a living. The struggles, successes, books, resources, cool and interesting stuff we found along the way. I'll be sharing all these things with you. So, are you ready? All right guys, coming up on the show today, we have an interview with Joe Hendricks, and Joe's a friend of mine. He's a photographer as well, and I'll tell you about him later, and you'll get to hear some more of his story, but I just wanted you guys to hear from him and hear what he has to say about creativity and about starting new things and about kind of his journey and specifically some of the stories he's had with um, starting this new venture into landscape photography, which is kind of a new territory for him real quick before we get into the interview you're going to hear some kind of chatter going on in the background and that's because Joe and I were recording this at the Skillery which is a co-working space so what you're hearing are a bunch of creatives in the background brainstorming and stuff and I tried to get as much of it as I could out but some of it still seeped through so sorry about the background noise but despite that there is a really great interview coming up with Joe so without further ado here's Joe Hendrix. Yes. Hey guys, welcome back. Today I'm talking with Joe Hendricks and Joe is a photographer uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, which is how we met, which it's been like five years, man. That's crazy. That's been that long. Yeah, we've almost been here for five years and uh, I think we met just about when we moved here. So crazy. Anyway, he has a successful wedding and landscape photography business in which he's consistently creating beautiful images for his clients and for himself, which I think is pretty rad that he's making stuff for himself, too. And he's just killing it and producing, producing a lot of solid work right now, which is why we're talking today. So how are you doing, Joe?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I gave the short version of kind of who you are and what you do. So if, if you want to expound upon that and just kind of tell people a little bit about yourself and what you're up to.
0: Okay, well, my name is Joe Hendricks, and uh, I've been doing photography for about 24 years. I got started in the Navy, and I learned on film, uh, Canon cameras, switched to Nikon film, and I've been Nikon ever since. Um, And then I went on a different path for quite a while, about eight or nine years, and then photography kept coming back to me. Eventually, I got into a place where I needed to make some more income, and I picked up photography once more and became a wedding photographer. Fell in love with it. My wife ended up doing all the business side, and there's been no looking back.
1: Awesome. That's awesome, man. So you're, you're still digging it, eh?
0: Yeah, still loving it.
1: That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, when was it, what was uh, like a, a point where you realized that, like you said, you got away from photography, and what brought you back? What was that moment that made you realize that this was what was going to be something you wanted to do for a long time? Like, is was there, what were you doing? What kind of a things were happening in your life right before that happened?
0: Uh, I was working full-time in the wine industry at a distributor in Tennessee, and uh, I was hauling boxes in the back rooms of Yellowtail and other stuff, and I would be uh, just hurting my back, hurting my <laughs> legs. Uh, it was a really frustrating job because I wasn't moving up. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of one of those things that I did my job well, And they didn't want to lose me in that position. So there was no way I was going to become a salesman. Um, So my other options were to keep doing that for the rest of my life, uh, which is a really good steady job because everybody drinks, uh, or almost. (laughs) Uh, Or I could get into something that I'm passionate about, love. I can change lives with, and that's the path I decided to take.
1: That's awesome, man. So you were you were not really feeling fulfilled at that that job, even though it was paying you money, you could make a living at it, and you just decided that this was going to be something that you wanted to do.
0: Yeah, it was a very hard decision, um, but once I made the decision and I quit that job, mm-hmm. there was no turning back. It was the biggest relief off my shoulders ever. Um, but yeah, that's exactly it, man. I just, I, I wasn't being fulfilled. Um, you know, I had access to all the wine I could drink, uh, you know, which I really liked because I enjoy wine. But, um, you know, that wasn't enough for me. It wasn't fulfilling my soul. And that's why I got into photography.
1: That's awesome, man. So you've been doing this for, for how long now, you said?
0: Wedding photography? Yeah. I've been doing wedding photography for about seven and a half years.
1: Wow. Was there a, a time where things weren't really working out as far as bookings or leads or whatever? And what what happened... To like make that more a more frequent occurrence for you whether was, was there a tipping point in that at all
0: well let me start with I did wedding photography for about a year and a half while having that full-time job first nice and that paid for all my gear paid for my lenses and everything else and it gave me a lot of experience so that when I quit my job and I went full-time I had a little bit of a running start I kept shooting wedding photography for about two years and then after that, I applied for a thing called uh, Best Photographer in Nashville on the Nashville scene. And I really wasn't even close <laughs> to being halfway to the Best Photographer. But oh, I knew okay. a lot of friends, and I kept it a secret because I knew other photographers didn't know about it at the time. <laughs> so I started emailing all my friends personally, messaging them, and I asked them to vote for me. Kind of in secret, so I wouldn't you know get anybody else interested in it. Anyways, I ended up winning uh, Best Photographer in Nashville, and I found that people were booking me because I was the Best Photographer in Nashville, even though I wasn't, but I had that label, and that gave a lot of comfort to people um, just to be able to book.
1: Okay, so that just having that title attached to your name just gave you some credibility?
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, it gave me some credibility. It boosted my confidence a little bit. because, you know, when people are hiring you because they think that you ha- hold a certain title, it does make you feel better. Sure. Um, but it also pushes you to be better. Yeah. Because if you're going to be labeled the best photographer in Nashville, well, you better hold up to the hype, um, which I had a long way to go. <laughs> and I still do. And you're just constantly trying to create new and creative stuff um, to go with that title.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think I think there's really something to that, to be kind of um, held to an expectation and then rising up to that level for sure. And there's something else you said in there that made me think of something I heard. some. Uh, I think it was Todd Henry talk about this one time, like you want to make sure you have enough runway to take off. And you were talking about how you were. um kind of hanging on to your day job and having that money and then waiting to just take off and creating some runway. I think we don't think about that enough, and and Dave Ramsey, I think, put it another way. He said, you want to make sure that the dock is close enough to the boat so you can just step right in when you're starting a new venture instead of having to risk falling in.
0: And you bring up a a couple really good points that I want to tell to other photographers is that I have photographers come up to me all the time and say they want to be $4,000, $5,000 wedding photographer. Um, but they do feel like they could do it in the first year and yes, it is possible. There's no doubt about it, but you do need a runway. You do need a dock to barely step off on, like you said, and the way you get there is through experience and building yourself up. I tell people all the time, when I was $2,000 or $1,500, I couldn't sell myself to brides that good because I didn't have the experience. But now that I charge four and seven thousand dollars, it's actually easier to sell myself to brides because I've been through it all. Mm-hmm. I can answer all their questions with extreme confidence, and I know I'm gonna get the shot. Yeah. So, I just want to tell people like, you know, if you have the ambition to go and start at four and five thousand dollars, and you think you can do it, good on you. Make sure you know your camera equipment. Make sure you know <laughs> what you're getting into.
1: Because
0: yeah. if you screw up at that price range. You know it's gonna be catastrophic
1: yeah that's 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 a really good point man I talk about um, how we are really intentional with creativity and we'll talk about this later but it's it's important for us to be able to show up on a wedding day Jen and I and be able to be the creatives that we promised we would be as proven by our website and whatever and and our price honestly so if they're gonna pay this then I want to be able to show up and make work that is consistent with what i know i can make and um, i think people do need to think about it some more but you talked about um growing and we're kind of talking about this journey here so let me let me hear a little bit more about your story so what has been the biggest difference in, in your growth so far from beginning to where you are now
0: the biggest difference in my growth is kind of what i said before experience um and what i mean by that is that every single time that i shoot a wedding I'm learning more and more. Um, I'm learning how to deal with clients. I'm learning how to edit. I'm learning how to shoot. And every time I shoot and I try to be creative, I go through and I edit that picture and I'm looking at that picture and I'm nitpicking it and I'm critiquing it. I'm saying, man, if I would have just got down on the ground a little bit more, that would have been a better shot. Uh, Or if I would have taken it to the next level, it'd be so much better. So next time I go out and shoot, I think of that and I push myself a little bit further and I get that shot the Mm -hmm. next time. When I was first starting out, I was taking chances, but they weren't calculated chances. They were the kind where you see a picture on fearless photographers, you're like, I could do that. And then without even thinking about it, you actually do it and you get lucky and you can't do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, But with experience and after shooting weddings for many, many years, they calculated risks, I'm taking now, I know that I'm going to get a shot when I go for it.
1: That's totally, totally spot on. And something that my friend Dan O'Day said once was that he, he likes to think of his work as, when he, when he takes a shot, he thinks of it as happy, plus one, plus one. So like you take the shot and you see it and you're like, oh, that's kind of good. How can I make it better? And then just add one thing and then add another thing. And that's what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, basically what I do on shoots is I try to take at least one creative picture every single shoot Mm -hmm. um and i like to say two to everybody but sometimes i don't do two but when you take one creative picture every single shoot that's the kind of picture that people are going to look at you and go what are you doing you're going to be in this awkward position putting your camera in a place that doesn't even look like it's on the couple and they're going to look at you extremely weird but you're taking a chance yeah and if it doesn't work out who cares don't even show them the picture they'll never know they'll never remember that you tried it
1: that's awesome yeah why not take the chance man so speaking of uh, this this journey of growth i saw that you shared a photo the other day of your first wedding which i thought was awesome Mm -hmm. and uh, it's really cool that you were vulnerable like that and i thought it was cool that other people kind of joined in and like started sharing theirs as well
0: that was neat
1: yeah but your work has evolved and changed so much over the years. Um, what would you say is the most is what would you say is the thing that's most different uh, different about the work you make now?
0: The thing that's different about the work that I make now is that my composition is a whole lot better. I know my camera so much more. So when you talk about calculated risks. I can take so many more risks at creativity because I know my cameras so well. We all evolve as photographers. With photography, shooting, editing, everything, the way you interact with couples, that's been the main difference. Like, the way I interact with couples now is completely different from the way I interacted with couples at the first wedding. I didn't really know what I was doing. In fact, I'm sure other photographers have done this before, but at my first wedding, I was taking pictures and I remember thinking to myself, I bet I look awesome taking this picture. Like, <laughs> I think I look like I know what I'm doing. And that's what I was worried about. I wasn't worried about actually knowing what I was doing. Yeah. I was worried about looking like I knew what I was doing. Interesting. And I remember this old man coming up to me saying, so you have a Nikon D200 and you're not shooting with a flash. How are you getting these pictures? Because I'm shooting the exact same thing. I said, well, I just know what I'm doing, (laughs) which was a total, which was not true. (laughs) And uh, those pictures were really grainy. They were underexposed, and he was exactly right. And I've always remembered that guy, and I thought, I don't ever want somebody to ever say that again to me, so I'm going to know what I'm doing and start taking the right pictures.
1: That's awesome. So just knowing your craft has been the biggest difference between the now and then.
0: Knowing the craft, knowing the camera, and yeah. knowing what she can do,
1: yes. Dude, that's awesome. So I, I really like this this um, idea of just experience and gaining experience and and practicing things. I think a lot of times we just don't practice things enough. And I think it's I think it's important for us to have something to practice, especially when it's our craft that we're trying to excel at. Do you have a story of just a fail, a failure where you just like completely just bombed?
0: (laughs) Well, what I was telling you about early that my first wedding, that was a failure in my eyes, mainly because I did not know what I was doing at all. Um, it was just a tough experience. And I thought that I was, I would never shoot weddings again because of that experience. Yeah. I hated it really. Um. I didn't know how to interact with the client. I didn't know what I was doing with the camera. Even though I'd already had like 12, 13 years experience in photography, wedding, is a, wedding photography is a completely different animal. Yeah. Um, some other little instances, I once paid a couple thousand dollars for a website mm-hmm. design that was done through WordPress. Mm-hmm. That was stupid.
1: <laughs> um, why, is it, why so? What happened? Just...
0: I was doing a basic website. Basic HTML. It just needed a certain template, and it just didn't happen, and it wasn't the way that I envisioned
1: it. Gotcha. What did you What did you learn from from both of those? You kind of told us about the photography one of your first wedding, how you it kind of spurred you to really know your craft and never feel that way again, which I think is really cool. But what did you learn from the the website fail?
0: I learned to take things slowly. That was the biggest thing I learned because. I was new into the industry, I wanted to make a splash, I wanted to have a cool website, make people think that I was much better than I was, and I thought a website would do that. And a website can do that. Uh, but yeah, I would just take it slower, do my research, and um, make the website the way that
1: I would like it. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's all cool to hear, man. I, You know what, I wanna talk about what you're doing right now, what you've been doing recently. And I, I've been seeing that you've been blowing up Instagram and Facebook lately with these crazy, epic, infuriatingly good <laughs> landscape shots. And uh, most of it's from your recent trip out west with your family. So you kind of tell me about where, why you took that trip and what spurred that whole thing and how it went.
0: Sure. First of all, we took the trip because we needed a vacation. And we have a job that allows us four or five months out of the year to do that. We decided to go out west, but if we were going to do it, we were gonna have family time, and I was gonna get into landscape photography. I've always said that wedding photographers don't retire, they become landscape photographers. (laughs) And it's so true, like I mean, so you need to have something in plan. And if you're young, 20, 25, 30, I'm turning 40 this year, so I'm starting a little bit late. But you should start finding your artistic expression now. Because if you can establish a brand for yourself, and you can start selling prints, then you are way ahead of the game. Yeah. And when you become 40, like I am turning this year, then you will already have a system in place to make you money if anything ever goes wrong. Like you get injured or you plan on retiring or whatever. You can have that system in place. So this trip was for that. To see what I could do with landscape photography, start selling prints that hopefully – will sell for a very long time and support me when I'm not able to run around like crazy like I do at weddings now.
1: Yeah. So you just wanted to create like a passive income stream.
0: Definitely. Yeah.
1: Cool. Something that you could just put up and sell and it can just make money.
0: Yeah. That's a much shorter way of saying it. Yes. No, well, <laughs> I just wanted
1: to, I just wanted to recap, but no, that's uh, true, yeah. <laughs> what, where did you go? Like what, where, what was the route?
0: So the route was, we drove the whole entire way about 7,800 miles Holy in a minivan. Wow, and uh, we went from Nashville through Texas, New Mexico. Um, The first stop that we made for taking pictures was the Grand Canyon. It's been about three or four days there. We went up to Antelope Canyon. From there, Uh, went to Horseshoe Bend. We tried Forest Gump Point, but that's another story. Uh, We came back, went through Yosemite. Went from Yosemite to Zion Park, Bryce Canyon, the Arches. National Park and uh, then we went to Colorado Springs uh, awesome and stayed with Chris and Adrian Scott up there
1: oh nice yes Chris is a is a former uh, interviewee on this show so nice. that's cool yeah
0: <laughs> and then we went to Zion Park and then we headed back to Nashville
1: nice there. nice that's awesome I think uh, one shot that stood out in my mind is the, the blood moon shot you guys were in Yosemite when that happened yes was that epic it was amazing. Yeah.
0: The night before the blood moon, uh, Rhonda was online. We had no idea the blood moon was going on. Yeah. And she said, hey, there's going to be a blood moon tomorrow in Yosemite. And we thought, well, how often does that happen? <laughs> I'll get up at 3 a.m. We'll I'll go out there. Uh, of course, her and my three-year-old son did not want to go. So they just stayed there. I grabbed my cup of coffee, went out. I saw the moon starting to lose its light as the sun was eclipsing it with the earth
1: yeah earth eclipse yeah
0: the earth eclipse yeah (laughs) a little confusing and uh so i thought to myself oh i'm late so i need to go find my spot now so i was like speeding through yosemite um and i found my spot and i still had about another hour and a half before it actually happened so it was like a hurry up and wait
1: (laughs) which is kind of the story of landscape photography right
0: (laughs) definitely Yeah. yeah And I found a spot where other photographers were. Everybody had zoom lenses. I thought I'd put on a wide lens and nice. get like the effect of the blood moon instead of the blood moon itself. Right. Because everybody has that shot. True. And as a photographer, you need to think differently if you want to stand out. And you need to do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Even weddings and landscapes. So I did that. And I had a 14-24 millimeter on. And the stars were just coming out as the moon started getting more dim. And I turned around, saw El Capitan and all of its glory just standing there. And it was beautiful. And I took some pictures of it. The hardest thing that I learned from that experience was focusing in the dark yeah. is really, really hard with yeah. landscape photography. You don't have a focal point, you have to guess. And I learned a quick tip yeah. that you put your ISO up to like 3200, 6400, and do like a five second exposure and see that it's in focus, and if it is in focus, then you put all your settings back to the original settings, gotcha. ISO 640, 20, 30 second long exposure, and then it's sharp.
1: Nice. was that that a good sense. little tip. Yeah, so you turn the ISO up to just to, just so you can see what's going on.
0: Yeah, that way you're not wasting 35 seconds yeah. each shot. Yes. You're well, only wasting five.
1: I have done that countless amounts of times. <laughs> Click 30 seconds later. <laughs> And like, oh, and then see, gets- yeah. Oh crap, let me do that again <laughs> yeah. And do that five times yeah. Oh man, that's a good tip Cool.
0: But standing in the middle of all that um, The way that I describe this picture Is that if you believe in God You're just in awe Of everything that he has made And you feel so very small But you also feel so very great Knowing that he knows every hair on your head yeah. And he created all this
1: That's awesome, man
0: And that's what I was thinking at that moment it Cool, was cool.
1: Well, that's that's a really cool story too. I love that it gave you some perspective too. It's being outside and, and being we've been to Yosemite once and it just it has that effect on you anyway. You're just like, Wow. So you'd mentioned the forest gump point thing. Is that a story that stands out in your head? Like oh, from yeah. the trip? Let's hear about it. Uh, it's a crazy
0: story. Yeah. Forrest Gump Point is the place where Forrest Gump stopped running in the movie Forrest Gump. Awesome. So when he gets there, he's like, I'm tired of running. I think I go home now. <laughs> that was the point. Yeah. And it's a very famous point because it's just so beautiful, and the road is a huge leading line. So my wife and I, we love the movie. We thought, we're going to go see it. So we had already gotten up at 4 a.m. in the morning to drive two and a half hours out to Horseshoe Bend to take that picture at sunrise. Unfortunately, there's a time change in the middle of those two areas, so we missed the sunrise by about an hour. So we went to Antelope Canyon, took all the pretty pictures there, and then we said, hey, let's go out to Forrest Gump Point. It's three and a half hours away. We'll get there right before sunset and get this beautiful picture. And we both looked at each other and said, let's do it. We stopped about 30 minutes on the trip, and I turned around and I said, do you want to do this? She goes, Joe, I believe in what you're doing with this landscape photography. We need to do this. So I said, all right, man. Never have I been more proud of my wife for (laughs) believing in me so much than that moment. So we went, and as we're getting closer, the sun is setting. It's fire, sky. We're like, oh, this is going to be amazing and then I realized, oh, gosh, we still have another 25 minutes to go, and we don't exactly know where it is. By now, Rhonda is driving, and I am taking pictures out in Monument Valley as we are heading out that way. Because I'm just taking taking pictures out the window. Yeah. And she has on her iPhone a picture of Forrest Gump Point, what it's supposed to look like. So I'm like, cool, this is what I'm looking for. I'm a visual person. I'm looking for this, and when I see it, we're gonna stop and take the picture. We get there, and I'm looking at the monuments, and they're exactly like the picture, but the road is different. I'm like, what in the world? Like, there's no way if we go on the other side of those mountains that the picture is gonna look right. There's no way, unless whoever took this picture flipped the picture. But like, why would they flip the picture? It's just stupid. It doesn't look any better if you flip the picture. Yeah. So, we're both getting frustrated, kinda yelling at each other a little (laughs) bit. I'm like, baby, it's not on the other side of that mountain. Turn around. We missed it. Yeah. And the sun's already setting. We pretty much already missed the shot. And we get back to where it's supposed to be, and the shot is just not there. We are so upset. And now we have a six-hour drive home.
1: Oh, good. Because
0: we drove three hours (laughs) to Antelope Canyon, three hours out here. Put them together. Now we have six hours home. And it is 8 o'clock already I could not get the shot I pulled over I was like well I'm taking a picture of something <laughs> yeah and that picture didn't even turn out we drove six hours home so frustrated we get home my wife looks up that picture online and somebody did flip the picture what man we were so mad <laughs>
1: we're like why would he do that oh my god
0: and uh, so she knew where the point was but me being visual I was looking at it I was like this isn't right yeah so anyways, we ended up going on with our lives. We said screw it. We'll forget that picture, forget it ever happened and never mention it again. <laughs> and we got to Bryce Canyon or, or Zion Canyon, one or the other. And uh it came up again. And it was only another 3 hours away, but we said, "You know what? Let's do it. Let's totally redeem ourselves." Like dumb and dumber, totally yes. redeem ourselves. <laughs> yes. And uh, we decided to go out there, get in a hotel, do it right this time, and get the shot. And it ended up being the coolest hotel that we stayed in. Awesome. In the middle of Monument Valley. Beautiful. And it was super cheap. Um, It was the place that everybody stayed when they, like, filmed movies there and everything. It was a cool experience. We went out there for sunset just to see it. And then we went out there for sunrise the next day. And it was beautiful, and we were so glad we did it. But it took a lot of effort um, to get that shot. Yeah, and it's a shot I'll always remember. That's awesome. (laughs)
1: That's awesome, man. I'll put the link to um, Joe's landscape shots in in the show notes, so you guys can see that it's really epic. Um, And that's such a cool story because it's a story of failure, and then it's also a story of kind of resilience because you, you guys were like totally frustrated, tired, exhausted, going back and forth with each other. And then you took a couple of days to rest and realize that it was something you really wanted to do. And you stood back up and dusted yourself off and did it anyway. Yep. So, that's pretty awesome, man. So we're, we're talking about kind of what you're doing right now. What, what vision do you have for your work in the future? I, I mean, I know you're doing landscape and you, we kind of talked about you maybe transitioning into that like post wedding career or whatever, but the next five years, what what do you wanna be doing?
0: Over the next five years, I would really love to start teaching people more. Um, I've gotten to a point in my wedding photography where I'm comfortable, and I also feel like that's a dangerous place to be, yeah. because if you get comfortable, then what's pushing you to be better? And one thing that's gonna push me is to teach other people, because if other people are doing what I'm doing, it's gonna push me to be even better. So. I'm not taking those same pictures over and over.
1: That's a cool so, way to look at it. Yeah. So, yeah. I would
0: love to teach people more about wedding photography. And, you know, I want wedding photography to be easier for me, more relaxed. Um, so, the longer I shoot, the more minimal my gear is getting. I'm using less and less lights. I know how to use them. But, like, now I use speed lights all the time. I hardly ever bring out a studio light. And I used to do that all the time in the yeah. beginning. Um, so that's something I would love to share with everybody, and you know, the path that I've gone with wedding photography. And I would also like to start getting into the landscape photography more. I'm starting to sell prints, and I'm actually very surprised that people are buying them at the prices that I'm setting them at.
1: Well, you shouldn't be because they're awesome. Thanks, dude. I
0: appreciate <laughs> that. You know, but it's, it's a very humbling experience yeah. when people are willing to pay $600, $1,500 for a picture. Yeah. Um, and one thing I don't want to do is limit them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people do limited editions and stuff, and I did that for my first print. But I want to be able to, like I said, make a retirement off of this in the sure. future. So I want to keep selling stuff. Yeah. Um, so if one picture is like your golden picture, you want it to sell for the rest of your life. So I want to I want to travel more. I want to take more pictures. And I want my family to come along with me the whole entire way. And as I'm traveling, hopefully, I'll be teaching other wedding photographers at the same time yeah. while doing landscape photography in the background.
1: That's cool. So that, that kind of leads me into my next question is if this is, this is the path you want to take, what what's keeps you getting up in the morning? Like what's your motivation other than, you know, making money and building a, a retirement or whatever? What is it that makes you want to just get up in the morning and keep doing what you're doing?
0: Well, um... The thing that keeps me getting up in the morning is I'm actually a strong Christian. And, you know, I feel like God has a path for my life. What I'm finding is that I am meeting people because of landscape photography that I would have never met in the first place. Like one of my first pieces was called The Patient Painter. And uh, an atheist who is a friend of mine actually bought it. And that was really cool because I would have never expected that. You know, it opens doors for me. And knowing that is what gets me up every morning, you know, being able to you know, know that God has something in store for me, you know, out there, as long as I get my butt out there, that's the hardest part.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I finally, I, I feel like we all want to understand what we're supposed to be doing. And we sit around and wait for it some so many, so many times. And I think the only cure for that confusion of what you're supposed to be doing versus what you're not supposed to be doing and kind of the path you want to take is action, right? So just like you said, just she's not going to show you exactly where to go all the time. you got to do something too.
0: You know, and I was talking to my wife about passion last night. And I guess I was reading somebody on Facebook saying that they're passionate about something and they're wondering how to get into it more. And my thing is, is that if you're passionate about something, do it. You're obviously not passionate about it if you're watching TV and not doing that thing that you think you're passionate about. So turn off the TV and start, if you're passionate about something, think of how much better you're going to feel doing something that you're passionate about. So there's no excuses for people nowadays. I mean, we have a whole bunch of social media and like everything pulling us in different directions and everything. But if you shut all that out, put some blinders on, and focus on the thing that you're passionate about, you're going to feel better, and you're going to experience some great things in life. Yeah,
1: social media blinders, that's what and we need.
0: socialmediablinders.com. <laughs> .com, yes.
1: <laughs> I was going to go there, but I didn't want to give it away, so I'm going to go ahead and register that real quick. Uh, so we talked about um, your journey. We talked about your story. We talked about your current work and kind of what you're doing right now, and now I want to get into advice. And specifically with creativity, we talked about that earlier, about how you're always trying to create one or two shots that just really are out of the box and different. And I think that's really cool. And creativity is important, especially when we have to use it every day to put food on our table, which is what me and you do, right? So you're always experimenting. You're always putting out really great stuff. What kinds of things are you doing to make sure that you're nurturing that creativity?
0: The things that I'm doing to nurture that creativity are I'm looking at other people's work. And I know in our industry, a lot of people will say, don't look at other people's work. Don't look at Chris's work. Mm-hmm. Um, don't look at other people in your area because it's just going to piss you off. I don't want to be caught up in thinking that other people are doing things that I'm not doing. What I want to do is when I look at people's blogs, I look at the shots that they're taking. Um, if you look closely, you'll see elements of things that are just absolutely beautiful. Um, You know, take a picture that you took from fear that won a Fearless Award of that little girl with her hair blowing and stuff. That was absolutely beautiful. She wasn't paying any attention to you at all. Yeah. So in the middle of all that chaos, there's this little girl with her hair flowing in the air with somebody getting married behind them. And it was absolutely beautiful. Thanks, man. And, you know, when I look at that picture, I can take that aspect of it, not try to create the exact same picture, because that would be boring. But... What it does make me do is it makes me think, huh, there's other things going on besides the bride and groom. And that's what I look for at blogs. Like I look for the way that they light stuff. I look for the way they position people. And when it comes to my shooting, I'm not doing the exact same thing they're doing. I'm just keeping in mind how they did it and how I can use it to my advantage to make my photography advance more.
1: What's one thing that you do in your workflow or whatever to make sure that you're making fresh, consistent work for your clients and for yourself?
0: So a thing that I do a lot is I run. Running is my inspiration. Whenever I feel bogged down by anything, I go for a run and I'm okay. Like, for instance, if I get into an argument with my wife and I'm frustrated, I go for a run and when I come back, I'm just like, baby, I love you so much. Yeah. You know, it's my mind completely changes. And I know running does that for me. So when I'm thinking about photography, being creative, and I'm at a stumbling block, I go for a run. Because I know that that's what I need to do in order to think about things and let let all the bad stuff out of my system. I think everybody has something like that. Whether it's reading a book, drawing, singing, writing a song, whatever it is. You know, sometimes it could even be taking a shower. Whatever it is that makes you get out of the confusion that you're going through at that time, yeah. that you need to know what that is that makes you feel that way and then go do it. And when it comes to photography, just knowing the people more than anything else is going to make all your pictures completely different. I am honestly amazed when I see photography be consistent every single shoot. And I, I wonder about that because every single person is different. And if everybody's different, then why would pictures always look the same? You know, and that is a common theme of photography. Mm -hmm. And it's one that I've struggled with a lot because I feel like the shoot I did yesterday uh, with a couple Molly and Clint, they are just goofballs. They're like so much fun to be around. But they're very good looking people. And the shoot started out doing dramatic, beautiful shots. And then the shoot transitioned into more goofy, fun pictures, and I never expected that, but once I got to know my couple a lot better, I knew that they loved that picture. And what's cool is that after all the goofiness, you know, they have those points of relaxation where they're just comfortable with each other. And then those are the romantic shots that are really cool, but they also get the goofy stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. What Jen and I talk about is that whenever we're shooting somebody for the first time, It's there's always a a period of just none of these are going to be very good (laughs) in the shoot, like, or they're really basic or whatever. People aren't comfortable with us yet. We don't really know each other yet. So we're getting to know them. And then we hit a point where everything's going really well. And it's just bam, bam, bam. We're getting good shots, good shots. And then after that point's over, we call everything else after that the bonus round. So we get to relax because we know we got what we need and they're relaxed so and 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 most of the time like our favorite shots come in that bonus round you know but yeah there's a there's definitely a progression of of comfort there
0: and i think every photographer goes through that yeah i do that every single shoot like you have to find that comfort level and i explained to my couple last night like sometimes it's like starting an old engine like it takes a couple cranks but once we get going it's going to flow. Yeah, man. And that's exactly what happens every single shoot.
1: That's awesome. You got to get that momentum going. That's right. cool. Is there is there a book or resource that you would recommend for creatives?
0: The book that I would recommend for creatives is uh, a book called Crush It nice. by Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. I love that book.
1: He's a wine um, guy too. He yeah. is a
0: wine guy. And that's how I first knew him is from Wine Library. I actually started a wine blog myself where I reviewed 100 Wines yes. on YouTube. And then that's I just awesome. crushed it. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's perfect <laughs> It was an
0: industry that I didn't want to be in anymore So I Mixed uh, the whole thing And uh, those videos no longer exist But he was a great inspiration But his book Crush It just talks about Finding your passion and going after it There are no excuses, just get to it And if you've never experienced him before He does a show called AskGaryVee.com Or just AskGaryVee on YouTube And he's answering questions all the time, 100-plus shows of how to be great at your business. The book that I would recommend for uh, photographers is a film photographer who made a book called Into the Light. His name is Jim Brandenburg, and he was a National Geographic photographer. He would shoot roll upon roll upon roll of different things on every single assignment. So he went home for three months, and he shot one picture every single day on film that's all. You had to get everything right. The focus, the composition, everything right in this one picture and that's how he challenged himself. He did that for 90 days and it was absolutely beautiful and it's a heartbreaking book to read because being a perfectionist in an industry that is just full of people taking pictures all the time, having to take one shot is just so constraining but it's amazing to see him go through the whole entire story and if you're a film shooter, you need to read this book because it's just an amazing journey.
1: That's awesome. I like that, man. I'm going to I'm going to have to look into that. That sounds really interesting. So, if you had to do it all again, if you had to start back at the beginning of your photography career, of your business, what would you do differently?
0: If I had to start again, I would know my equipment better. It's it's a simple answer, but honestly, it's like the key to everything yeah if you know what you're doing with your camera and you know what it's capable of then the amount of creativity that you're gonna be able to create is endless you know there's so much that you can do with that camera and it's amazing you start reading the book you think it's gonna be boring but then you get to pages and you're like oh I could do that with my camera yeah. I didn't know that oh I can use my iPhone to like take a picture from really far away but yeah knowing your camera also makes you more comfortable with people because you can actually talk to people dial in your settings to the side just from memory and then you can have a great conversation and take good pictures but if you don't know your camera imagine your couple is sitting there waiting for you to get your settings right you're looking down at your camera the whole time instead of talking to them how uncomfortable is that I make it a point to get to my settings as fast as I can I can normally remember just by muscle memory, what to do with my camera. And it helps you just be more creative in everything. So know your camera is such a simple thing, but it's everything with photography.
1: Knowing your craft and knowing how to operate the things that um, are just essential to what you're doing is definitely, I mean, you can't, like you said, you can't really get into that uh, flow state of creativity without, when you're worried about your settings on your camera and stuff like that, so. Joe, it's been really good talking to you, man. You had a lot of good things to say and I think this is gonna be really valuable. Uh, before we go, I want you to give me one piece of advice you would recommend to creative entrepreneurs. What would help them move towards the work they want to be doing?
0: Guys, take it slow. If you have something that you're passionate about it, research it, learn about it, you know, and just craft it slowly. Um, You don't have to jump into something right away, try to make money from it. Make sure that you love it. If you're going slow and you're not making money from it right away, well, you're going to find out that when the hard times come and you don't like doing it, well, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it for a living. But when the hard times come and all you can think about is writing that song, taking that picture, designing that website, well, then maybe that is something that you need to be doing for a living. So just take it slow, make sure you love it, And then once you know that you absolutely love it, just go all in and go for it. And be smart about it. You know, Sometimes you just have to put yourself into a position that you can't get out of. That's what I did with landscape photography. I put myself out there. I had to get the shot or I went home with nothing. Sometimes you just have to go all in and come up with something great and force yourself to be great at it. But like I said, make sure you love it before you take that step of going all in.
1: I love that, man. Where can people find you, man? Where would you like people to find you?
0: You can find me at joehendricks.com. And uh, I'm also joehendricks on Instagram. And my landscape photography is joehendricks.photography. But it's all at joehendricks.com. Just go there and you'll find me.
1: Awesome, man. Well, thanks for being here, Joe. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks, Chris. Nice.
1: It was really great to talk to Joe and hear those stories and hear how seeing those grand views just made him feel small and helped him gain some perspective and it was also great to hear him talk about how he uses running to help feed his creativity and help him get out of his own head which we talked about a couple weeks ago. And also really liked his book recommendations, Crush It by Va- Gary Vaynerchuk. I love a lot of the things Gary Vaynerchuk does. And also he mentioned that book by Jim Brandenburg, Chased by the Light, the Nat Geo photographer he mentioned. That sounds so intriguing. We, we tend to think as creatives that creativity is about you know, getting outside the box, thinking outside the box. But a, a lot of times, more times than not, it's about putting constraints on your work and building constraint into your work and your workflow and your work practice. And this guy's example of, I can only take one photo today. That's a huge constraint and it's gonna force you to practice that creativity and be really intentional. And I love that. I'm a big, huge fan of all of that. So huge, huge thanks to Joe for being here and sharing all that awesome stuff with us. Well, that puts episode 12 in the books. Man, I'm glad you guys were here today and I'm glad you got to hear from Joe. He's a really good dude. Make sure to go check out his work at johendrix.com. And I think you can follow him on Instagram at johendrix. I'm on Instagram as well. That's where I'm hanging out. I'd love to chat with you there and get to know you a little better. You can find me at Chris Creed. And don't forget to check out the show notes. I'll put all those links in there that you need. And all right, let's get out of here. Until next time, keep being awesome. Keep making really, really good work. And I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon.